Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. This is Josh Belcher, host of the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. Hope you had an awesome week. Uh, With this being Grammys week, Sunday, January 26th, got two really awesome heavy hitters in the music industry uh, out of Nashville here. We've got the talented Hannah Blaylock, who recorded the title track from Reba McIntyre's album, Stronger Than the Truth, which is up for Country Album of the Year this year. Also got to talk to soul country singer, phenomenal artist, T. Graham Brown. He joined the podcast. He's the man they call the Otis Redding of country music. He's been on the Grammy several times, been nominated a whole bunch of times. Really awesome interviews, uh, really awesome experience talking with both of them. Had a really great time. Just wanted to take this time also to say, hey, thanks for listening. Hope you uh, you know enjoy what you're listening to. Uh, I really have fun doing it, and I appreciate you taking the time. So without further ado, on this Grammy weekend, we will get this party started. First on deck, the sweet funny, awesome, talented, and very smart Hannah Blaylock on Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. Enjoy. Hannah, thank you so much for uh, letting me do a do-over. I really appreciate your uh, being kind and your talent. Yeah. Let's discuss this awesome, crazy event you just went to that I'm monitoring on social media. The uh, Is it 30A or 30A? I can never get it right. It's 30A, which is, if anybody doesn't know, it's um, like a strip of beaches in the Gulf. Um, mm-hmm. It's close to Destin and Panama City and stuff like that. But um, it's just like an, a highway that, is, that connects all these beautiful beaches. And the sand is like, it literally is like snow. It's powdery <laughs> and beautiful. And um, the, the, food, the food in the restaurants there are super great and the beaches are beautiful and it's kind of like a little Pleasantville down, um, at the beach. So um, my husband and I actually got engaged there cool. years and years ago and we've gone there for years for vacation. So it's one of our favorite spots and every year in the winter they have the songwriter festival and I've always wanted to go and it's just, I've just never gone for one reason or another, you know? And my friend Cody Ballou, um invited me to come along with them, and we've been um, kind of writing together and develop, developing some projects together. So we thought it'd be a good chance to go down to the beach, look at the ocean, be inspired by it, and meet some songwriters and get to create together, get get kind of locked down and not distracted by the rest of Nashville and the world to be able to create together. And so it was a really good time. It was super inspiring. There's Lots of amazing stories that were told, lots of amazing songs that were sang. And if anybody is loves to do stuff like that, like you definitely need to go next year. That's awesome. So, like, <clears throat> like do songwriters do they? Because you're talking about you and your friend. Do, do people get like you just feel the uh, inspiration? Let's say you're sitting next to this songwriter here. You guys just collaborate, no problem. Or is there a process for that? Or is everybody just kind of like a free for all? Is it like no uh, novice writers all the way to like professionals? Or, or what's the deal with that? Um, well, I think what, what was super cool to me, there was definitely lots of Nashville folks there that I knew, uh-huh. but there were a lot of people from all over the country, which is really cool. So it, it, it's a great opportunity to connect with people that you not, you normally wouldn't connect with. And all weekend long, it's like a Thursday to Monday festival. Yeah. Um, there are shows up and down the highway at all these venues. So 
if you wanted to go, you'd buy a ticket and it, they would give you like a wristband or whatever. It would make you eligible to get to go to all of these different shows and events. And, oh, I see. you know, it's, okay. it's any, it's anyone from like a, an Americana artist that um, kind of plays in their region to like hit songwriter on Nashville that writes for country radio to, I mean, and everything in between. So it's just, you can kind of look at the lineup and kind of get kind of a taste of what it's like. And, I know, like, Patty Griffin played last year. She didn't play this year, but, like, I got to see artists like Nikki Lane, who I'm a huge fan of, the Secret Sisters, who I'm a huge fan of. I'm friends with Jillian Jacqueline. She was there playing, and I'm, I just love her music. Um, and then I met a lot of other songwriters and friends as, uh, and made new friends as well. And um, we're going to get together and collaborate and create together as a result of that event. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a all of that in one, I guess. I was about to say, you're one of the heavy hitters there, too, writing songs. Uh, how many nights did you perform? Did you perform every night? Um, I, Cody and I kind of did a little ditty together on Sunday night at a at a local venue. It was really fun. And um, he he's putting out a record for the single at a time. I put out an Americana solo record a couple of years back. So I sang some of those tunes, and then we sang a, a song that we've written together and a duo that we just put out a um, – a live acoustic video, a cover song of one of our favorite songs um, of the entire, I mean, it's really one of my favorite songs of this past decade, is Brandy Carlisle's song, The Joke. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, so we made a video in Nashville, um, a live recording, him and I, and my guitar player, Landon Fishburne, and um, I found this the studio that... Uh, was in the basement of a house and these really nice guys that have this amazing equipment and we we went down there and recorded live and released it not too long ago so we sang that for folks and That's yeah cool. we just had a lot of fun and touched around at the beach I love the beach in the winter time it's really yeah. <laughs> it's really like so fun to be cozied up in a sweater and walking uh, you know and staring at the ocean it's a totally different vibe and I love it yeah it's 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 like it's a, it's a cool thing you just don't want to be swimming in it for too long but, oh my um, gosh! Please no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Uh, to me, you've got the best voice in music right now in any genre. I just I love to hear you sing, and uh, you know well, we're kind of we're kind of diving into the fact that your you know your path right now is more into the songwriting, which is cool. But like, um, I just I just love mm-hmm. what what you do as well. I just think uh, you're a, you're a, I guess a double threat going into a triple threat. You're doing it all, but um. <laughs> Let's talk about this, uh, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm real proud for you here, the Reba stuff, which is like uh, going into the Grammys here pretty soon. That is like the biggest thing ever, and you have pinned the the title uh, track to her album that's up for Grammy of the Year. Am I correct? Yeah, and I mean, really, I, I wrote it with one of my best friends, Autumn McIntyre. She's a singer-songwriter that's been in town for years and years, and um, she's actually Reba's niece. This is her first Reba cut, my first Reba cut. And for those of you out there, a cut means another artist records your song. So um, we wrote that song. It was the first song we ever wrote together, Autumn and I, when we first met in 2013. So we wrote it a long time ago, and we didn't really know each other. We sat in a room on Music Row at 11 o'clock, and she always says she was hungover. So she <laughs> <laughs> she was like nursing coffee and trying to wake up and I didn't even know that. I couldn't even tell. And so we were talking and trying to get to know each other and stuff and talking about our childhoods and she grew up on a cattle farm in Oklahoma. 
I grew up on a cattle farm in Arkansas. Hers much more legitimate than mine. You know, the McIntyre farm is infamous. And um, so she she and I really connected on a lot of things because we had a similar upbringing and a similar love for country music. And we just decided, you know what, we're, I wanna, we want to write a song today that is for us. You know, like we want to write something that really, really speaks to our soul. And so we wrote like the saddest country story song ever. <laughs> and we thought we loved it. Like both her and I were so obsessed with it. And we've gone on to write hundreds of songs together. I mean, she's my girl. And um, we never thought anybody would want to cut it because it's not like in a lot of respects, people wouldn't consider it commercial or, or in the square of what country radio is doing today. It's just yeah. who we are as artists and songwriters. And so we were super grateful when five years, we had pitched it to Reba before and she put it on hold, which means she wanted to reserve it to possibly cut it, um, which happens all the time. And you're always like super excited to get a hold because it's kind of like a nod to you. Like, wow, your song is great. I'm going to see if it fits with what I'm trying to develop as a project. And a lot of times holds are let go, which is totally fine. You're just grateful that you got one. Mm -hmm. And then six years later, she remembered the song somehow, which think about how many songs Reba McIntyre gets pitched every day. And so I like, (laughs) I mean, it would overwhelm me like crazy if I were her, but she remembered it for some reason and asked Autumn to send it to her again. And I didn't even know, and Autumn didn't even know it was going to be the title track of the record until the record was released that day. And we called each other, like, crying, like, how did this happen? This is so crazy. And then, you know, Reba said, this is the most country record I've ever made to date, which, you know, just made Autumn and I's heart so, like, sing. We were so excited that this this vein of what country music is and where it came from is being spoken for and it made us feel like there was a place for us to land in this industry and in this format in a, in a whole new way. And then for the Grammys to acknowledge it and to say, hey, this record is, is worth being nominated um, really has spoken a lot. So Autumn and I, I know we both feel the same. We're both just so grateful that we've been along, you know, kind of pulled along for the side that Reba has forged. And really, she's she's just kind of like been the queen that she is and said, hey, y'all, we're never going to forget what country music is. And yeah. so I'm going to make sure that's going to happen, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, we're just so really lucky. Yeah, it's awesome because, like, uh, and I was thinking that right as you said it about her being the queen. It wasn't like Jane Doe cut it. You were talking about the queen of country music. <laughs> the queen. The queen, yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just awesome that, that, that speaks in volumes. And, and the fact that, you know, um, you know, she held it and, uh, like you said, just getting a hold, but the fact that she thought of it again means that it made an impact on her and it just speaks for it. And, and that's what people are gravitating to because they want traditional country the way it was. It's just the direction it is right now is totally different. <laughs> but you'll notice, like, the stuff you're doing or your Chris Stapleton or people like that, that's that's what people are wanting to hear. It's just they got to spoon-feed it a little bit at a time back into country, I guess. <laughs> totally. And I'm, yeah. um, I feel like that this day and age, there's so much empowerment in the artist's hands. Um, especially as far as streaming goes, because before the business, before the business was set up where country radio was the only way you could get your art out there. And it is such a beautiful tool to be able to do that. But if what you're doing doesn't quite fit into that peg, it really can be a disheartening journey to try to be true to yourself and try to reach an audience that you know is out there that loves the things you love, but it just isn't able to be funneled through this one peg. And so now because of streaming and because of all the other ways that we can all release our art, it's kind of like an open wild west um, business again, 
which is super exciting in that regard. It, I, the the legislation in, in Washington and people are out there fighting every day to make sure that the royalties kind of catch up with that. That's kind of mm-hmm. where we need to grow as a business. No, I agree. Yeah. If people don't know that, um, people are not paid very well for streaming at all. And by very well, I mean like barely anything. Um, sure. And so the royalty rates need to catch up with it, but the fact that it's available for us as artists to be able to release is really cool. And so, yeah, I mean, like that's why I'm continuing to make new projects. I'm on the start of developing another project now, um, and I'm always kind of planting seeds in a bunch of different directions, just creating in any way I can because that's what fulfills me in my life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm able to do that because of the way the business has changed, you know, and it, it opens up a, especially the availability for women to be able to um, have a lot more space to be who yeah. they are, which is cool. I agree. And I'm 100 percent being a father of two uh, well-rounded daughters. I'm totally pro pro women. Women deserve equality in every format, music, be whatever it is. So I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, women rock it. down with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, like you said, you know, even with, and I don't know how streaming works, I'm not that smart, but you know, like let's say I pay nine ninety nine for Spotify. Well, let's say I listen to one of your songs a hundred times in a row. I mean, how do they calculate that? You know, because you were talking about it, it just made me think about it. There's got to be a way to make it fair because, you know, I'm paying instead of downloading the song or however it works, I'm just listening to it over and over and over or the album over and over and over. It's just a whole new entity. It's something I never fathomed would ever happen, but here it is. So. Right, exactly. And it's a really complicated answer. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, we could go down that red hole. It gets real geeky. And it's an algorithm (laughs) that honestly, like, you can't really quantify. And there are these companies called PROs. There's three in America. And then there's one in every other country in the world that their job is to try to quantify mechanical royalties and streaming and things like that. So, and there's really, I mean, it was funny. I went to Belmont University I transferred there as a senior, which is kids. I wouldn't run on doing that. Um, but <laughs> it was one of the only places in the country I could get a, a business degree that was focused in music, which is what I wanted to do with my career and my life. So, I mean, I, I transferred to Belmont for that reason. And it was it blew my mind when I was in class, and they pretty much told me, like, there's no way to, like, be able to follow how the PROs quantify your mechanical royalties. The only way that you can do it is if you happen to have another co-writer who's at another PRO different than yours, and if they have a different amount of money than you do, then you can kind of like bat against each other's text to make sure it's right. But it's a really complicated world. But it is a fact that like back in the day, years and years ago, the record labels didn't think that streaming would be the future. And I don't know, I'm not like the most, educated on all of it but essentially from what i know and what i've been what i've read and what i've been told um the label heads of time gave away the rights to streaming because they didn't think that it would develop into something and who would know right yeah but um they've they've obtained those rights and now streaming has blown up to what it is so now we need we need to kind of alter that and as we all know things in washington and and Legal stuff takes a long time, but those same yeah. PROs are the people that are spending their their um, time, efforts, and money to go out to Washington and really fight for the songwriters. So um, PROs really are one of the most like songwriter friendly companies in the business, in my opinion. In a lot of ways, they will they will bat for songwriters, and they're like the first thing that you do when you move to town is you find 
an advocate um, that will support you and, and believe in what you're doing at a PRO, and they will connect you with people and get you kind of started in the business. So I don't know what we do without them. Right on. They cause they cause problems for Washington. Yeah, in a good way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They need to, they need to make a uh, like a mashup song. And I spell P R O U B L E. <laughs> that's really good. I don't Look know. Look at you. But, but anyway, uh, I just feel like I got two percent smarter just listening to you talk. Like uh, I just took the Hannah Blaylock uh, school of uh, P R O E. Um, well, of, oh my gosh, and I don't even know. I'm not even you know that that well-versed in it like almost kind of take take a little bit of what i'm saying but you know go yeah. talk to a real professional about yeah, it i mean but you just wait till you talk to somebody that works at a pro and you're like whoa <laughs> yeah but you i mean it, it's a necessary you got to know it i mean just to protect your art you know i mean it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the new it's the new whatever um but uh my ad kicked in speaking of belmont you know who you would be a dynamite duo with to do a song Oh, who? Oh, Vince Gill. I think you and Vince Gill would oh match really God. well. We're talking about B- Belmont. I, I think we could make it happen. I went to high school with his daughter, Jenny. Oh, yeah. Um, I love Jenny. She's so yeah. nice. Funny fact, not that I'm bragging, but Vince has seen me perform as a football player. Never seen him perform. Isn't that weird? And I've lived in Nashville my entire <laughs> life. His daughter. I bet he'd get his feelings hurt about that. I'm sure he would. <laughs> but um, a super great guy. But yeah, Jenny was a cheerleader and you know, she sang really well too, and uh, just a sweet girl. But uh, you're talking. I was like, man, that'd be a great mashup. You guys need to do a song together. Have you That's ran into really them lately? Sweet. I would love that. Um, Let's do it. Still is one of those people that um, he just loves to support art, and um, so. If you're hanging out in Nashville long enough, you're probably going to see Vince Gill because he's either going to be at a Predators game yep. or he's going to be at a local songwriter round or, like, on Monday nights. I don't know if he still plays Third and Lindsley. Um, or is it 12th and Porter? I'm trying to remember with the band. He's uh, just always Third and Lindsley around. with the Time Jumper, yeah. Uh, yeah, time exactly. Jumper, yeah. He yeah. just loves he loves music and he loves to play. And yeah. he's inspiring to – his energy and everything about him is, is really inspiring for the town. And I know yeah. – I, I mean, who doesn't love Vince Gill? I don't know a soul on this earth does not love Vince Gill. <laughs> I know. He's, he's he's solid gold. He he really is. And yeah. and uh, a thing is, I don't. we were talking about places he stops. I actually know his uh, secret bowling spot. Oh. Um, I've been in there a time or two and seen him in there. And you know, obviously, we're what is there it? Give, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, we're recording right now. I'll text it to you later. But I didn't know where it's at. And I'm like, hey, hey, you know, you know, where the Eagles are. Well, there's their guitar player. <laughs> They're bowling. <laughs> you know, but you know, just say hey in passing. You know, I, I, I'm, I mean, he's nice, but I really try not to bother. You know, too many people, especially if they're doing something they thoroughly enjoy. You know, it's like this is their outlet. You know, I yes. wasn't talking. I wouldn't talk to his backswing while he's golfing. So I was just like, hey, and go about my business. So. Yeah, um, that's respectable <laughs> but, um, for sure. Yes. One more bit of news I saw. I don't know. Uh, somebody passed away at the songwriter thing. Did you see or hear about that? The David? Yes. Uh, well, um, I can't remember his last name. He wrote a bunch of songs, 70s, 80s, Emily Harris. Uh, he did. Was, did, you, did you witness that, or what, what What was the story with that? I didn't. I didn't witness that, and um, I wasn't lucky enough to know him. Uh-huh. Um, but I did learn, of course, about him and, and his uh, – his amazing talent and the the amazing man that he was um, after I heard about it that day. And um, he, from what I know, he was on stage and he just was in the middle of a song and he said, I'm sorry. And he dropped his head to his chest. Like he was like, 
um, collecting himself, and then the person next to him discovered that he was, like, not with with it. Oh and gosh. so um, he, from everyone that I talked to that knew him, he was just a light in this world, and mm-hmm. he was one of the most talented songwriters they've ever um, witnessed. And so, anyway, I, I think a lot of people say that if he were to have chosen the way he would have gone out, it would have been yeah. sharing his music. So that yes. that was kind of a, a light to, to shine upon the man that he was. But yeah, that was such a crazy moment. And a lot of people the next day, everyone was kind of talking about, you know, who he was and what they meant to them. And they were, you know, giving tribute songs in, in his name and things like that. So it really is cool to see the community of um, songwriters and musicians, and how we all come together to to really never forget the artists that are not necessarily in the spotlight on stage every day, but they're making that a beautiful art that they get to sing happen. And he was one of those people for sure. So, yeah. In uh, discussing with people and stuff, said basically the same thing you did. I mean, uh, if you have to choose it, being, you know, like a lover of music and playing myself, I couldn't think of a better way to go if you had to pick would be sharing your, you know, your passion. So. Um, totally. Yeah. And, and everybody, like you said, they've, they've uh, complimented him on the highest regard. So that's, that's good for him. I I knew of him uh, not enough to speak on his behalf, but um, yeah, that was definitely something that I uh, didn't expect. Uh, which is you no, know, but you never really do. But I didn't know if you. But your insight was very very fitting. It was a very nice uh, mention of him. I like that. You're very good with words. No wonder you're a great songwriter. Oh gosh. Um. Anyway, uh, like I said, thanks for talking. I know you're relaxing and chilling. You've had your big weekend, but uh, let's give them your social medias and tell them what you're up to in the near future, so people can uh, learn more about you. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I'm I'm in the beginnings of developing new project, and Groovy, just yeah. like when you hear about people developing a movie and things like that, it takes time, but yes. and a lot of money and heart and blood, sweat, and tears. But it's <laughs> what I love to do the most. So I'm always on social media, kind of like catching people up on the status of what I'm doing, and um, hoping to get on the road and play shows and share um, the new stuff, but also the stuff that I, the the solo album that I released a couple of years ago called Bandit Queen. I recorded it in Austin with the Dixie Chick sisters, Emily and Marty, and Emily's husband, Martin Sayer, who's an amazing um, musician and producer. And so I've got that album out. You can go on all the places that you stream and buy music. You can buy that. It's called Bandit Queen. It's 10 songs. And then um, all my social media handles are out there. So at Hannah Blaylock for Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the things. You can go to hannahblaylock.com. And it's yeah. got direct links to all that, as well as my YouTube page. Um, I try to post uh, live music or um, recorded stuff as much as possible on there as well. Just any way we can get to connect. Again, that's such a great way for um, us musicians to be able to have a direct connection to music lovers. And so any way that you can share or comment, it, it makes people like us as day to know that the music that we're making and the things that we're creating mean something to somebody. So thanks yeah. for loving on all, all us musicians on social media. For sure. And another thing I'm going to brag on, you're the most photogenic human being I've ever seen in my life. Like it, it takes me like 50 different poses to get like a good angle. You, every picture I see, I'm like, man, this is like runway model worthy. You've got it. Just good for you. Oh, my so God. Good. I need to hang out with them more often. <laughs> yeah. I just, Have I was, you love I, on me all the time. Yeah, I was like, uh, I was looking at the one you posted about the, the songwriter with the little hat. I was like, man. And, and someone, like I said, I've seen you in person doing our little music video. I was like, 
you make it look so effort. Like me, I'm I'm uh, growing a beard, so I'm kind of looking like Oscar the Grouch a little bit. So I have to like really angle the camera. <laughs> You're over here. That's probably one photo. Boom, and we're done. That's fantastic. Well, Good for you. let me tell you, it it isn't just one shot. It's, and the more <laughs> I feel like the motto of what I know. I mean, my friend Toby Gilbert. He's he's one of my best friends. He's an amazing photographer. And there are plenty other awful shots extend with the ones that I that I, you know, I don't post, you know, but um, he's just really, really good as well. And we've worked together for a really long time. So we'll get together and he knows exactly what to do. And I'm like, how'd you do that? That's amazing. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, a lot of it is just that I'm lucky enough to get to work with creative folks that are really talented at what they do. So, and people in Nashville, if you look for a local photographer to work with, Toby is your man. He's he's just light. Yeah. Hey, Toby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's great. This phenomenal country music artist uh, was a blast to talk with. Uh, Very wise, very nice. Always kind to me when I ran into him. Uh, Just a pleasure to speak with and learn a little bit more about. The legendary T. Graham Brown is up right now on Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. Here we go. Yuma, Arizona today. Yeah, man, I'm in Yuma, and the hotel's right here next to the interstate, so if you hear a bunch of cars going by, that's what it is. <laughs> okay, you're not on the strip drag race or anything. Um, just wanted to touch base with, like I said, saw you not too long ago at the Skirmer Horn, the James Burton show, just tore the roof off the place doing Soul Man for starters with uh, – with, he was up there with Skunk Baxter and Steve Cropper. That was just the ice on cake. Uh, what's his name? Paul Schaefer was up there too. Oh man, I can't remember who all was up there. There were so many play, yeah. guitar players there that night. There was. A that ton. sure was fun, man. Yeah, and I just thought, man, you just did a perfect rendition of that. And then you played with that uh, Caroline Jones. She's up and coming. She could tear up a guitar too uh, there later in the evening. Yeah, man, I'm going to do a. Uh, benefit with her next week. Well, I'm going on the country music cruise this coming up week, and we're doing a, a benefit out at the Grand Ole Opry House. I think it's probably Wednesday week, and uh, she and I are going to do a duet. So That's cool. That'll be fun, too. Yeah, I saw February the 5th he's going to be at the Opry again. I guess that's, yeah, it is pretty soon, isn't it? Yeah, you know Troy Gentry of Montgomery Gentry was yeah, the killed one in, a, hel- yeah. in a, a helicopter crash, so it's it's uh, his foundation. And oh yeah, I saw yeah, raise some money for uh, cancer research. I believe what it's for. Oh that's, yeah, that's a good cause. Yeah, I saw that on your Facebook page. There's quite a line up there. Uh, a lot of a lot of people gonna be at that. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, looking forward to it. I'll, uh, can't I get to, to do a lot of cool stuff, man. You know, I, I get to do all kinds of neat stuff. That's because you're uh, you're one of the favorites, man. Everybody wants to have you around. They they know uh, they'll be in for a good time if you ever hit that stage. <laughs> well, thank you, man. Thank yeah. you, thank you. I just uh, just want to touch on some stuff. First of all, the serious uh, XM Prime. You've made a staple out of that. Been having a blast with that. Uh, is that your permanent gig now? Well, you know, I, it's just something I do for the fun of it. It's, you know, I had this idea to play live tracks from people's live albums, and I just told them about it. And I, 
I stayed after them for a couple of years. It was, you know, and then they finally came around. So I have fun doing it, man. And I get to interview people, you know, like you're talking to me. I, it's it's just fun. I never have done anything like it. So I, yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to listen to and enjoy it. What um, I was looking at your website too. I did not know this, but you sing jingles on top of everything else you're doing. I did not know you were a jingle man. How does one get into that? Oh man, uh, <laughs> I think that you know when I first got into it, I was singing demos, uh, you know, songwriter demos over on Music Row, and this would have been 1980. Mm-hmm. I think it's when we moved to town. So it would have been probably eight, 82, 83. And my voice just got passed around on these tape, you know, these uh, songwriter demos. And I think that a, a producer, I can't, I, I think it was Ron Chancey maybe that was producing Oak Ridge Boys might have heard me singing something. And they hired me to do a Coca-Cola commercial. It was actually, I, I went to New York to do it. It was a, the first million dollar minute on the Super Bowl. So I'll tell you how long ago it was because <laughs> I don't know how much a, a minute's worth of ad time goes for now on Super Bowl. It's way, it's way more than a million. Yeah. But uh, that kind of started it, and people heard my voice and just started calling me, man. Uh, it wasn't anything that I had planned out. Uh, it just kind of happened, and I. I've sung more jingles, man, and just about <laughs> anybody, I guess, really. And, um, I've done about every fast food there is, Coca-Cola and Seven Up and Dr. Pepper and Mountain Dew and all that, and then, you know, Budweiser and Strohs and Miller and uh, all the beers and cars and trucks. And sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. I did that for seven years. So. <laughs> Uh, I've done a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's groovy. Yeah, you had quite a quite a list there on the website, and I said, you know, I've, I've known you just from you know what I've heard on country, you know, and albums and radio and everything. But you know, you're always interested to find somebody you enjoy as an artist when when they dabble in other stuff. So that just kind of blew my mind. Uh, yeah, I get, <laughs> I get to do all kinds of stuff. I'm fixing to do a a western movie with Trace Atkins here and. This spring is supposed to be this spring. I don't know exactly when it's going to be, but oh, that'd be a great. Uh, be a great I got a couple of movies we did a year or so ago, something like that. That's supposed to be coming out. So, yeah, I get to do all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, what? Uh, speaking of movies, I saw this on your thing too. You did a movie with Richard Pryor. I've never known anybody that knew Richard Pryor. What was that like? Grease Lightning, wasn't it? Yeah, that well, golly, man, that was in. I think that was in about '76 or '77. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it was fun too. You know, I mean, it, it was fun. I mean, yeah. I mean, I got to hang out with a bunch of cool folks on that movie. Yeah, that's pretty. I thought Richard Pryor like it, you know, because they they kind of every once in a while they do a new documentary about him and how he's the king of comedy. And I was like, well. Grease Lightning, no. I wasn't even born yet, but I'm, I've seen it. <laughs> it was a really cool movie. Um, so what, what's your touring schedule like? I know you're coming to Nashville the, the 5th, and you actually played down here. I live in Columbia, Tennessee, and you played in Possum Holler, but I found out a day late, and I was very upset. So when, uh, oh, when are well, you hitting the media? 
Well, you know, we live just outside of Nashville. I thought we were going to probably do, I don't know how many shows, a hundred and something shows this year. Last year we didn't work that much, but this year we're, we're going to hit it pretty hard. So, yeah. You know, I got a, I got a good band and I do some, uh, every now and then I'll do like an acoustic show with just a couple of guys and, uh, we're out here, we're doing a, I brought a keyboard player, a guitar player, and a sax player. So it's kind of a semi-acoustic show. Mm-hmm. So, so we're doing a little bit of everything this year. You still got David Northup playing drums? Yeah, Dave's still playing drums. I didn't bring him on this trip, but yeah, he's yeah. still playing. He thinks the word of you. I, I, I interviewed him and spoke with him. He thinks you're the cat's pajamas. He said you're the most authentic guy. Anybody I could ever work with, and I could see that you've always been nice to me when I've met you. So, and he seems like a great dude too. Just released his own little solo album. So, yeah, well, I try. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> yeah. I, I try to be a good guy. I like good guys, yeah. good girls. You know, I'm, yeah. That's that's the only way to be. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast, the Grammy edition. Hope you're having a wonderful time. Uh, if you're watching the Grammys, if not, uh, sometimes it's interesting. Sometimes it's not. It can be hit or miss. But I really look forward to and special thanks to Hannah Blaylock and T. Graham Brown for being on the show. Two great people, two great artists who deserve to win Grammys. So I hope uh, one or both gets one tonight um just wanted to uh, wish them uh, congratulations and best of luck then wanted to thank you the listener for taking the time to listen to our little podcast as you continue to listen i'm going to keep making them if you know anybody you thinks will be a great special guest have them hit me up at josh belcher at hotmail.com and you always remember that i love you for you and where you're at in life have a good one we'll catch you down the road uh next time all right later <laughs>